you guys turn with me to Matthew chapter 25. Uh, very, I'm, I'm hopefully going to be very brief today, but I feel like it's very um, important what we're, where we are as a church body right now um, in, in this stage of where we are. Um, we have been learning about foundations on Wednesday night. Prior to that, on Sunday mornings, we were learning about the foundations from uh, uh, Hebrews chapter 6. We have now gone into the first two commandments, to love God and to love our neighbor. And how important that is. And church on the hill body, we don't need to miss this. This is the key to the gospel, is loving God. And out of that overflow of loving God, we're able to love each other and love our neighbor. And we learned two weeks ago that our neighbor is defined by someone that's in need. Someone that's in need. Uh, it's so important that we learn to notice needs. I want you to know that we, we, we worship and we serve a God who notices our needs. He knows our needs, and He is a need meter. He meets our needs. Um, I was telling the Sunday school this morning that in the midst of things that seem to be falling apart, and it seems like the plan is not working out exactly right, and, you know, jobs aren't working out exactly right, and, and these things are not working out exactly right. Until I can slow down and remember who God is, God's never left me hanging. He's never not provided for me. Now, there are struggles in our life, but God doesn't leave us, ever. He's with us through our struggles. He's with us through our challenges. And he's got us even in the times that seem like there is no hope. There's hope. And if I can ever slow my thoughts down, I told Rita and Bud several times yesterday, things are going to start moving so fast that you're not going to remember most of it. And I want you to, every, about every two minutes, try to slow your thoughts down and take in what's happening. See the faces hear the words, enjoy this experience, because I can barely remember my own wedding. And our wedding lasted forever. <laughs> it was over an hour. Isn't that funny? And uh, I thought I had a pretty long message yesterday, but everyone said, man, that was so fast. Uh, you know, today's, today's weddings and, and these type of things just go by so quickly. And the most overwhelming part to me was not necessarily giving my child away up here on stage. It was walking in that door with her and just seeing the faces and the people that have come to say, we love you and we support you and we're here for you. And uh, I want you to know that family and church is vital, but we've got to do this right. This is not a social club. This is a, this is a church body. This is a, the body of Christ with a purpose. We have a purpose, and we are going to have breakthrough, and we are going to see lives changed, and we're going to see marriages restored, and we're going to see finances restored. We're going to see people healed. Where, where God is, God does miraculous things. And Church on the Hill, as we're trying to get back to the roots of where God is, all we've got to do is find Him. When we find Him, we get all this. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. We don't have to seek the blessing, we just have to seek the blesser. And what's happening here with these first two commandments is a focus on finding God. Are y'all with me? 
All right, Matthew 25. This has been a, a short series on outreach. Uh, we're going to wrap it up next week. But catch this. Don't go to sleep on me here. This is Jesus speaking. Matthew 25, verse 31. But when the Son of Man comes in his glory and the angels with him, then he will sit upon his glorious throne. All the nations will be gathered in his presence, and he will separate the people as a shepherd separates sheep from the goats. So there's about to be a separation handled here, and this is for the church, for the church body. We need to listen, okay? The sheep and the goats. He will place his, his sheep, he will place the sheep at his right hand and the goats at his left. Verse 34. Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my Father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the creation of the world. So what's just happened? He's just separated these, and he has said, those at my right hand, you, it says, come, you who are blessed by my Father, you inherit the kingdom prepared for you by the creation of the world. Okay? This is who he's saying to the sheep. Verse 35. For I was hungry. And you fed me. I was thirsty, and you gave me drink. I was a stranger, and you invited me into your home. I was naked, and you gave me clothing. I was sick, and you cared for me. I was in prison, and you visited me. Then the righteous ones will reply. So this is the sheep replying. Right? Lord, when did we ever see you hungry and feed you? Or thirsty and give you something to drink? Or a stranger and show you hospitality? Or naked and give you clothing? When did we ever see you sick or in prison and visit you? And the king will say, I tell you the truth, when you did it for one of the least of my brothers and sisters, you were doing it for me. So we'll pause here for just a minute it's easy to do it for the king. But that's not what happened. I think if given the opportunity, these sheep would have done it for the king. It's obvious. We certainly need to take care of the king because the king is the one who blesses us. But he's saying, wait a minute. The sheep are saying, wait a minute. We never, we never did this for you. And the king replies, yes, you did. Because when you did it for those that needed it, you did it for me. So let's continue. Then the king will turn to those on the left and say, Away with you, you cursed ones, into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his demons. For I was hungry and you didn't feed me. I was thirsty and you didn't give me a drink. I was a stranger and you didn't invite me into your home. I was naked and you didn't give me clothing. I was sick and in prison, and you didn't visit me. Then they will reply, Lord, when did we ever see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or naked or sick or in prison and not help you? And he will answer, I tell you the truth. When you refuse to help the least of these, my brothers and sisters, you were refusing to help me. And they will go away into eternal punishment, but the righteous will go into eternal life. Father, in Jesus' name, help us to wake up. Help us to hear what it is that you're saying. Help us to receive what it is that you're saying. And Lord, let it take root in our hearts and let us be changed. 
Let the change start now. The change doesn't need to happen in heaven. The change needs to happen in us. Change us. Let us hear truth today. And Lord, out, out of us changing, Lord, begin to make a way for us. Begin to open doors that have remained shut. Bless us, Lord, just according to your word and according to your promises. In Jesus' name, amen. So, one thing I want you to catch is, it doesn't say those that are worshiping the most and those that are going to church the most and those that are just being holy all the time. No, it's talking about our outward action of helping. We learned last week that our neighbor was defined, the Good Samaritan, that whole story was defined, that God that was the neighbor that Jesus revealed to uh, to the man that was asking him the question, was just defined by his need. It didn't tell us anything about the man that was beaten and left on the side of the road. It didn't tell us his race. It didn't tell us his socioeconomic status. It just said he was beaten and left. That's the only definition or the only characteristic that we see in that man is that he was beaten and left for dead. And that is our neighbor. Now we go on to see that what the Samaritan did for that person on the side of the road, he not only did for that person, but he did it for God. Not for the Lord. He, did, he wasn't instead, he did it literally as though he were doing it if God were laying there. So I want to try to tie everything that we've been learning over the last few weeks the only way to recognize that need is to fulfill the first commandment. The love of God has to be so in us that when we see someone, we do not see their personality. We do not see the things that absolutely get on our nerves. We see their need. And we meet the need. Now, you can also see here, and, and there may be some of you that would think, well, I don't need to do it for the wrong reasons. No, it doesn't have anything to do with the reason. It has to do with meeting the need. If I know that God wants me to meet that need, even though in my natural state I wouldn't normally do it, that doesn't make me greedy because I know God's going to bless me for doing it. It makes me smart. This is how God works. I'm following Him. It's not my natural way. I think that's even more sacrifice, that it's not what I normally would do. It's literally me sacrificing who I am to give somebody what they need. And it's not always, it's not always just obvious. Uh, you, it says that someone was in prison and in chains. I want you to know that there are people sitting next to you that are in prison and in chains. It's not the obvious go to the jail, even though it includes people in jail. Uh, I'm probably really going to embarrass you, and I'm sorry if I do. I'm just going to try this real quick. But Ruth Ann singing, You Make Me Brave. Um, Ruth Ann has, in the past, struggled with fear. I've struggled with fear. I think that we all struggle with fear. I don't know anyone that I've ever encountered that doesn't struggle with fear. But to me, not to me, I think Ruth Ann is one of the strongest people I know. Physically and uh, personality-wise. I would not want to meet her in an alley because she's going to kick my butt one way or the other. 
But for that strong a person to struggle with fear, sometimes it's just mind-blowing because it will take the strongest of men and take us to our knees. And we walk around and we act like we got it all together. But we are absolutely chained up in fear. When we help someone overcome what they're going through, you know who you're doing it for? You're doing it for the Lord. That whole scripture of separating the sheep from the goats, that's when it, that's when it kicks in. When you're sitting at the dinner table with somebody at work, at, at the lunch table, and you find out this person is chained up. Well, I've got the answer for you. Well, I'm going to help you unravel those chains. People are literally hungry, but there are different ways to feed people. There are different ways to clothe people. Um, I had a, this is probably not a great example, but I'm telling you, I'm trying, I have my own issues with this too. You are not alone. This does not come easy to me. But I was running on Friday, and I run down the rails and trails, and I've learned to start cutting through some other roads just because I get I don't know, some roads I just don't like to go down. I get down and there's hills and I just don't like it. So I pick another route that just has sunshine, the sun shining on that road, if that makes any sense, figuratively. No, well, it's flat. (laughs) But it's a break from my normal road. Um, And sure enough, here's a couple walking down the road. For one one thing, they're they're walking on the wrong side of the road. And this is on Brown. You know where Brown is? And it's dangerous to run down that road anyway. But they're walking on the wrong side of the road, and here I come on the right side. I'm on the right side. And cars are going to have trouble getting past us. So I'm already thinking, man, what are they doing? They're such dummies. They need to be on the right side of the road. I'm telling you, let's be real. What are y'all doing? You don't know what to do. Uh, How could you not know which side of the road to walk on? And... Here I'm jogging along, and I notice they're car- they've got a baby carrier, and a, not, not luggage, but a bag. And I'm like, something's off. Something's wrong. And I'm running without a shirt on. I've just got shoes on. I've got no money. I've got nothing. Did I say I didn't have shoes on? I had shoes on. I just have my shoes on. Had no shirt on. I had my shoes on. I'm really weird with my feet. You'll never catch me without my shoes on. I had shorts on, but now just stop. I'm already thinking I look like a creeper, and this isn't going to go well. And I got past them, and I just felt the Lord say, what are you doing? I'm like, God, what do I have to offer them? I have nothing to offer them. Nothing. I do have my phone and I've got Apple Pay and I could probably go to a gas station and get them something to drink. I probably could do that. And I just felt the Lord say, either do this or don't. Either do what I'm calling you to do or don't. It's your call. I'm not going to make you do it, but you know something's wrong. So, I get past them, and I come back, and all of a sudden, they're like, I'm like, are y'all okay? 
can I help you with anything? They said, yeah, we just ran out of gas. We're fine. I said, okay. And I took off. All God's looking for you is to acknowledge him and to give him an opportunity. Now, I did not have a chance to help them. But I do believe just in the surrendering of just stop what you're doing. What you're doing is not more important than what's going on here. Now, not always do you have to do anything. A lot of times you don't. A lot of times people are fine. A lot of times people don't want help. I want you to know you need to help people that want help. I've tried to help people that don't want help. And all that does is make things bad. But I will tell you that things... I am having to make an effort to say, I believe that's someone in help. This is going to mess up my routine. But God, you've got this, and I'm going to trust you here. I'm going to trust you here. And I believe that God is going to open doors that I can't get open because I'm trying My dad never required me to be perfect. He just required me to try. Just try. When I was caught sleeping and not doing what I was supposed to be doing, I got in trouble. But as long as I was trying, one time I I ran over our lawnmower with a truck. (laughs) Car came off the ground, and I'm like, what was that? And I killed our lawnmower. And I wound up getting a spanking that day. And I got it, and I was probably 12. I was too old to be getting whipped, and he's not here to defend himself, but I, I thought I was too old to be whipped. <laughs> but he said, I didn't spank you because you messed up the lawnmower. I'll never do that. As long as you're out here trying, but when you're not doing what you're supposed to be doing, that's when you get disciplined. So I encourage you to say there are people in your circle that fit this need. God is putting you into position because you have a potential of saving one, saving someone, not only from being thirsty and from hunger, but from hell. But the way that we get in that door is by putting a shirt on someone, by giving them something to eat, by freeing them of their chains. We must allow the first and second commandment to get so deep into our hearts that we allow our lives to stop to do what he's called us to do. We've seen with the Good Samaritan, he did not have to end his life. He did not have to give up his responsibility. He helped the person and he went on to his job. Do You guys remember? He paid the person, said, if they need more, I'll be back and I'll take care of it. Your life does not have to end because you are doing God's work. But we, if we really are filled with the Spirit of God and really are living for Christ, we've got to pause our life to do it. And I want you to learn to believe because God's going to start to bless you that when we do what He says to do, Elizabeth and I are believing for some big things, and I'm believing God's going to do it because God's a God who does it. At the same time, I'm trying to look at my life and say, God, am I really lining up and am I really following you? Because I know if I get in that, on that road, I don't have to search for your blessing. Your word says that your blessing will find me and overtake me. My problem is I get focused on the blessing and I'm like, God, why aren't you blessing me? You should be blessing me. Why am I not getting blessed here? And why am I not? And God's like, quit looking for the blessing. Quit looking for it. I'll find you. I know where, hey, Paul, I know where you are. 
I know how to find you. I've got your address. I've got your email. I've got your text. I know you. I can find you, and I can overtake you. But what I, but I, what I believe the Lord is saying to me is, get your focus back on me. Get your focus back on me. Your focus is on your problem. Get your focus off your problem and get your focus on me. Because when your focus is on your problem, you miss the person hurting. I don't even see them. Didn't even know they were in the room. Didn't even hear what they said. We were in Sunday school this morning, and someone had asked for prayer for for a person, and I got so focused on taking attendance of our Sunday school class, I missed that you prayed for someone, and I wasn't listening. Now, I'm not, I'm not, that doesn't make me a failure, but it's that easy that I can let the stupid cause me to miss the important. Church on the Hill, you're looking to be blessed. You're looking to get breakthrough. You are looking for God to show up in your life. And I want to encourage you, seek him. Seek him in his word. Seek him in his spirit. Seek his direction. And church on the Hill, it's simple. But it costs you something. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, your mind, and your strength, and your soul. And love your neighbor as yourself. The moment you start to recognize you're not noticing your neighbor, get the first commandment fixed. The first commandment's where you've fallen short. And out of the first commandment being fulfilled, our outward efforts are going to start to produce the outward working of what's happening inward is going to become noticeable. People are going to get saved. Lives are going to be changed. People are going to be fed. Chains are going to fall off. I don't know if you can feel it. You know, this is is a, a different time for us as a church, but I feel incredible potential in front of us. For what Brandon and Lindsay are doing in this, this, uh, these boxes that we're taking throughout the week, that's a, great, that's a great start. Go take a box to a family. But more so than that, notice who you're around. Notice God's giving you opportunity after opportunity. It is his good pleasure to bless you. You may not know that God. Well, I want you to know that's the God I know. When things start drying up, I need to start looking. What's happened? David went three years in a drought before he noticed something's off. This isn't how God works. We're in a drought. What's wrong, God? Well, thanks for asking. This is what's wrong. Well, let's fix that. They fixed it. The drought ended. God uses the things we walk through to lead us to him. Let's be led to him. Sheep are allowed to be led. Let's be led. We all stand up with me and let's pray together.
Church, I just, if you'll just bow your heads with me and just pray with me, and I'm going to kind of talk as I pray, but I just feel like that the Lord is trying, trying so hard to get into us. Father, I just ask you for soft hearts. And I just ask you, church, to just be willing to think, do I have a hard heart? I want you to think about the calluses on your hand that you get those from rubbing and just time after time after time, things start to get hard. And it happens with our heart through unforgiveness and through bitterness and through hurt and through pain, through rejection, through fear. And we put up walls. Lord God, I just ask for soft hearts, good soil, that our hearts would be good soil. And that, Lord, that we would allow this first and second commandment to love you. And out of the overflow of loving you, Lord, we're going to love our neighbor. And your word calling us to feed the hungry and to uh, give drink to the thirsty and to set free the captive. The only way we're going to notice that is if we have your love in us. We do not naturally see that. So, Father, I just ask you for a change, a change in my heart, a change in the heart of this church. One thing you've made about us, Lord, is a loving church. Father, help us to really follow you. Individually, but Lord, also corporately. Father, I pray for Wednesday nights as we are trying to look at an outreach that we could do just as a small group. And Lord, show us the hungry and the hurting. And we can see that these have been ministered to just by meeting a need. It's after the need is met that trust is built. And then we can share the gospel. It's by loving them first. Your word says that for God so loved the world. You loved us first. Help us to love our neighbor. Help us to love those around us first. And then win them to Christ. Help us, Lord. You may be here today and you may not have ever received Christ as your Lord and Savior. Right where you sit, just call on Him. Jesus, save me. Forgive me for what I've walked in here with. Come into my heart. Change my life. If you'll make that decision... We want to join with you and and connect with you and help you understand and grow. Lord, help us to be the church body that you've called us to be. Now, Lord, give us a great week, a great week of breakthrough, doors to open, open doors over this church. Thank you, Lord. It's in Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, Amen.